the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you for joining me today. It's Monday, April the 6th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1789, the first Congress began regular sessions, Federal Hall in New York City. Today on April 6, 1896, the first modern Olympic Games formally opened in Athens, Greece. Obviously, they had had the games before that, but they hadn't had them for a long time. This was the reopening, 1896. Today in 1830, Joseph Smith and five other guys organized the LDS Church in New York. I think it was in Seneca, if I'm not mistaken. Today in 1909, American explorers Robert Perry and Matthew Henson and four Inuits. That would be Eskimos. They began the uh, became the first men to reach the North Pole. Today in 1917, the United States entered World War One as the House joined the Senate in approving a declaration of war against Germany. Today in 1924, four airplanes left Seattle on the first successful flight around the world. Today in 1985, William Schrader or Schroeder became the first artificial heart recipient to be discharged from the hospital as he moved into an apartment in Louisville, Kentucky. Today in 1998, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed above 9,000 points for the first time. It ended the day at 9,033. Today in 1998, country singer Tammy Wynette, is she the one that sang Stand By Your I don't know, I can't remember. I remember her, though. She died in Nashville, Tennessee. She was 55 years old. And 10 years ago today, Wilma Mankiller, she was the first female female chief of the Cherokee Nation. She died in Oklahoma at age 64. I mention that only because I did not know that the Cherokee Nation had had a female chief. I did not know that. I suppose Hillary Clinton would know that, but I did not know that. So you learn something when we go through this every day. Sometimes people ask me, they say, Gary, why do you do that thing on history every day? Well, I'll tell you, the reason I do is is to give a perspective on, because we're t- generally on this program, we're talking about what's happening today. That's why we do it live, or at least it originates live. Some of you are listening on a bit of a delay, like an hour or two or three in one case. But uh, generally, people are listening to this either live or within just a very, very short time of when we do the program because we're talking about what's happening in our world as we speak. But I also do that little history part in the mornings because so many of you have told me how much you like it because you remember some of that stuff. Some of it obviously is, is in the distant history and we don't remember it, thankfully, but uh, we're reminded of things that we've heard about, and it puts a perspective of the past as we talk about the current. And so many of you have told me that you like that. In fact, I think somebody wrote me a letter. It was a very kind letter. It was very nice. 
And they said, man, that's my favorite part of the program. And I thought, oh, okay. So they're more interested in what happened in history than what I have to say. Well, that's okay, as long as they're listening. But anyway, that's why we do that. And thank you so much for joining me today and each day. We have a lot to talk about today. A lot on my heart. God has been speaking to my heart over the weekend through people, through prayer, through reading his word. That's all going to be coming out this week as we talk about what's happening. Our world is in a, a level of chaos that I have not only not experienced in my lifetime, and I am over 40, but I, I haven't read about but a few times in history. I mean that. We are living in the most unusual times. I mentioned CEO Mike Lindell. He's become kind of a folk hero because he sells those pillows that he makes. He has quite a quite a story of his testimony, and I, I think he was even in prison at one time, and he got saved, and God delivered him from drugs and all kinds of stuff. And man, he is on fire for God. Well, he started this company making pillows, and he and a few people, I mean, the story's out there now, and, and it has become a powerhouse. Uh, it's I guess it's considered a small business, but it makes tens of millions of dollars. I don't know what category it falls into, but very, very successful. And um, he's not timid about sharing his testimony. And I mentioned this last week that he he uh, had mentioned just at the White House, he has retooled part of his factories where he makes these, these pillows. I mean, it's a big deal now. And uh, he's making masks for people to wear. And so President Trump invited him to the White House, as he does many of these people uh, that are corporations, big and small, that have really stepped up to help the country. Well, in his comments, this Mike Lindell, he's the guy you see him on TV all the time. If you watch TV, he's selling pillows. He always wears a blue shirt. I think all of the commercials I've seen, he wears a blue shirt and he has a little cross around his neck. And it's kind of hanging out there, you know, right below his where his shirt's buttoned. And... Um, that's, you know, that, that's the way you see him every time, and he's selling pillows. Well, when he was at the White House, President Trump said, you know, you want to say a, a few, make a comment or two, and he stepped up the microphone. And this, it isn't like he's the only one that's done this. A lot of pe- people have been there, a lot of business people and so on. Lindell stepped up to the, to the mic, and he said, I encourage you to use this time. He said, we're going through a very difficult time or something to that effect. Then he said, and I'm quoting him, He said, I encourage you to use this time at home to get back in the word, read our Bibles, spend time with our families. All hell broke loose. The left, the news media, they took on Trump, which they do every day anyway. They took on the White House. They took on the press corps. They took on everybody. Said, how could you let him do that? From that, just, I mean in his mind, kind of a passive statement that, hey, this is a good time to get close to our families and read our Bibles. And that's so common in America, even now. And yet the press, the far left, they don't recognize that. Even the far left that call themselves Christians, the Nancy Pelosi's and those people, they're always claiming Christ. They're always claiming that they pray. I don't know their heart. God knows their heart. But I know their actions, and their actions stand in absolute stark contrast to what the Bible teaches should be our lifestyle and should be our worldview. They have none of that because that can be judged through watching and through simple discernment. 
by the Spirit of God that lives within us. But the press just took on this guy for saying that. And they've been relentless. They won't stop. They're still going over the weekend. They won't let it go. A pillow guy who told people maybe it would be good for us. He didn't even order them. I mean, he couldn't do that anyway, but he didn't even, he just suggested maybe it would be good if we read our, since we're cloistered in our homes anyway, if we read our Bibles and get close to our families. And that message, that message has become incendiary. And now it's flaming, brighter than the coronavirus in some cases. He said he's surprised by it, but he said, I'm not, it doesn't affect me because he said, I've had resistance ever since I became a Christian. He said, there's been time after time after time when we're filming those infomercials, the polo infomercials, he said that the various producers, he said, doesn't matter who they are. They always get around to say, uh, Mike, maybe you better put that cross behind your shirt because it might offend somebody. And he said, my answer is always well, they'll just have to be offended, and I guess we won't sell them a pillow. He said, I, I have to do this. This is my life. This is who I am. I believe in Jesus Christ. I love Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to sell Christ to people. I'm trying to sell pillows, but I always wear this cross. If they don't want my pillow, then they shouldn't buy it. He said, I'm attacked, I'm attacked all the time for that. He said, it's gone on for years. But he said, I didn't expect that at the White House by the press. He said, it's almost like a prejudice against Christians. Well, Mike, it is a prejudice against Christians. He said, like if anybody else in any other religion, he said, there wouldn't be that response. It just seems like they, they get attacked because they're Christian. But he said, anyway, that's just my opinion. He said, I see it happening all the time. I personally have experienced it more than once. But he said, hardship can open doors for spiritual growth. He reflected on his own experience with drug addiction and all of these various issues that he was dealing with in his own life. There came a time when someone introduced him to Jesus Christ, and he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and he was fundamentally changed forever as an individual. He told an interview over the weekend, he said, With God, all things are possible. He said, During this corona virus outbreak. He said, it's an incredible opportunity to restore American medical and pharmaceutical manufacturing and lessen dependency on China. And he said, I think we've got that. We all know that now. He said, we're in a place we've never been before. People are scared. They need hope. I'm telling you, there's no better place to find hope than in the Bible and with your families. Spend that time, spend that time in prayer. But not everyone sees the day in which we live in the way that Mike Lindell, the pillow man, does. Huffington Post is out with a story. Last night, they are claiming that Dr. Fauci has been trying to warn Donald Trump that he doesn't have any masks. The story is lengthy. It's, of course, extremely biased. Not completely factual. I took the time to check it out. It's not factual, but it's kind of factual. And that's what these people do. The Huffington Post says Dr. F- Dr. Tony Fauci, he's the kind of a small man that's on TV all the time now at these press conferences. He's the U.S. government's top infectious disease specialist now. 
Huffington Post says he warned in early 2017 that a surprise attack, 2017, that a surprise attack would occur during the Trump administration. This was before any of this, of course. 2017, that's important. He said that that more was needed to be done to prepare for a pandemic. He said there's no question there will be a challenge in the coming administration in the area of infectious diseases. He was giving a, a lecture at Georgetown University when he said that. The story is really lengthy, and I'm, I'm not even going to paraphrase all of it, but they go on and they say Fauci ticked off a list of, measure, of, of measures that needed to be taken place, including surveillance systems, public health and care infrastructure, practicing transparency and honest communication with the public. And he said we need to move more toward a globalistic approach to medical care. He said, again, later in the speech, the mistake that so many people have made is a failure to look beyond our own borders in the issue of globality of health issues. Not only things that are there that will come here, but surprises that we've had. And in this is a, a precedent remarks, or persistent remarks. Despite Fauci's early warnings and calls for action, a report on Sunday, yesterday, this is Huffington Post. They're widely read, way to the far left. A report on Sunday analyzing the Trump administration's response to the coronavirus pandemic found that federal agencies waited until the middle of last month to order medical supplies and equipment to fight the coronavirus, despite warnings about its pandemic potential being made in January. Now, follow me. I like I like Fauci. I watch a lot of those press um, conferences and I like him. He's just kind of a likable guy. He's, he's small, but he's really smart. And he just kind of walks up behind that podium and, and, and he t says what he says. And I don't, I don't have an issue with him, but I'm, I'm making a point. I don't, but I'm making a point because I'm not a medical doctor. I don't know what he knows, but I do know what's going on out there and what people are saying. Now, the Huffington Post has, has run this out there to give the public the impression that Dr. Fauci, whom they see all the time if they watch these press conferences, he's just on there every day. Dr. Fauci has been telling Donald Trump to get all this stuff in order because all of the supplies are depleted and to get everything in order because there's a pandemic coming in his administration. That's the impression it gives. That isn't true, but that's the impression it gives. And they give that impression using some facts. Because if it was all make-believe or made up, then nobody would believe it. And they know that. Satan is defined in the New Testament in those terms. Deceptive, half-truths, Genesis, so here we have this story out there, and I noticed this morning a couple of other, <clears throat> excuse me, far-left news organizations that are widely read are carrying the same essence of this story. You're going to hear that today, probably. It'll seek into the national news probably by tonight. So what's going to happen is that they're, they're going to make this their banner story. I wrote about these masks last night, and we published it at 5 o'clock this morning. 
I titled what I wrote, Where's My Mask? And then I'm talking about that very thing, but it's evolved from the time we went to our publishing company of the thing we write every day, our blog or our column that we write, Faith and Freedom Daily. It's widely read now, and I, I'm honored. But by the time we got that to the company that publishes that for us, onto the Internet and around the world, really, um, more things have happened. So here's where we are today on this, and I want to talk to you just a little bit about that. The attack is not about coronavirus. The point of the spear, in most cases, has to do more with Christianity than it does, not religion, but Christianity, than it even does with the coronavirus. Mike Pence was on, over the weekend, was on the revised ABC's Nightline. Remember when Ted Koppel used to be on there all the time, years ago? In fact, he started Nightline. It was very successful for a long time, then it kind of faded. Well, anyway, they have um, Nightline again. This guy, Brian Pitts, is um, he's a co-host on there. I guess I haven't seen it, but I, I, um, I was aware of it, I guess, but I haven't seen it. But anyway... Uh, just in the last couple of days, I'm not sure what day it is, so I, I'm not going to say it was yesterday. I don't know when it was, but it was the last couple of days. Mike Pence was a guest on, on there. They asked him to be there, and they did an interview, and they talked about all the stuff the press talks about. But near the end of the interview, this Brian Pitts said to Vice President Pence, he said, let me ask you a question. He said, not in a political way. When they say that, you know it's political. He said, not in a political way, but he said, you have said that you talk to God. He said, and I'm quoting this, he said, when you talk to God, do you ever talk to God about feeling remorse for Americans who have died because of steps the federal government did not take soon enough? So here we have a journal asking the journalists, so-called, asking the Vice President of the United States if he prays to the Lord with a heart of repentance for having been responsible for dead Americans. That's where we are in all of this. Yes, we need hope. We need encouragement. But we need to turn the lights on and get it right. We need to know what's going on. We cannot cloister ourselves away in fear. Friday, the President, the Vice President announced that Medical experts have changed their recommendations regarding face masks. Well, they have. And now that is the big attack on the president. This is not a defense of the president. I'm trying to defend the truth. They're saying that Trump has been standing against science. And they're blaming Trump being influenced by Vice President Mike Pence, who is an evangelical Christian and, quote, unquote, talks to God. Whoopi Goldberg's been saying that on ABC. Others have been saying it. Now this guy's saying it on ABC. I mean, that is a growing drumbeat in all of this horrible, horrible pandemic, pestilence. Back on January 21st, Dr. Fauci was on the Greg Kelly reports talking to a guy named... Um, I'm looking for his name here, but this just came out this morning. But anyway, they're ta they're they're interviewing him, and they said, "What about this? keep? You got to keep the dates in mind." This was January 21st, a couple of months ago, 
this year, Tony Fauci, director of the National Institute of uh, Allergy and Infectious Diseases, said Sunday, the American public shouldn't worry about the coronavirus outbreak in China. Here's what Dr. Fauci said. Again, I like this guy, but I'm, I'm just trying to get to the truth here. He said on January 21st, 20, I've got the video. He said, it's a very, very low risk to the United States. John Castamidis or something like that was interviewing him. I think he's with Newsmax. Fauci said, but it's something that we as public health officials need to take very seriously. It isn't something the American public needs to worry about or be frightened about because we have always, we have ways of preparing and screening of people coming in from China and we have always, uh, we have all kinds of ways of responding like we did with this one case in Seattle, Washington who had traveled to China and brought back the infection. He continues, this is not a major threat to the people of the United States. There's more, but that's a quote, and there's nothing beyond that that changes what he said. I mean, that's what he was saying. That's what he believed at the time. Am I trying to, you know, criticize him? No. That's what he knew at the time. But we need to get real. And the press is out there now saying that Trump should have seen this coming. He should have had all these stockpiles and he didn't do it. And now Huffington Post is running this feature story and others are picking it up as though everybody just realized that Trump has wasted all of the masks. They're all gone. Back to the matter is, (laughs) Trump didn't have anything to do with the shortage of masks. Where is my mask? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you where they are. The federal government knew about the shortage of protective masks clear back in 2009. 2009. I wrote a story about this today at faithandfreedom.us, and it's all sourced. Everything I'm saying now and, and wrote in that, which is more than what I'm saying now, is sourced. Federal government knew about the shortage in 2009 after the swine flu, H1N1. Remember that? But the government did nothing to replace them. Who was the government? Barack Obama and Joe Biden, Kathleen Sebelius. Both the Los Angeles Times and Bloomberg reported it at that time. The Obama-Biden administration did nothing about it. The Obama administration had at least seven years to replenish the stockpile of masks. The N95 masks have a shelf life of about five years, according to CDC. The 95, by the way, on that, I don't know, you probably know this, but the 95 means the masks are approved by the FDA to filter out 95% of particulates. But Bloomberg reported this on March 13th. March 13th. The national stockpile used to be somewhat more robust in 2000, and Bloomberg is not a fan of Trump, as you well know. In 2006, Congress provided supplemental funds to add 104 million N95 masks and 52 million surgical masks in an effort to prepare for a flu pandemic. But after the H1N1 influenza outbreak in 2009, the stockpile distributed about three quarters of its inventory and it didn't build back the supply. While the left is trying every trick in the book, to use this crisis, this is me now, that's end of quote. To use this crisis to bring down President Trump, Newt Gingrich 
tweeted yesterday, can Vice President Biden explain why the Obama administration did not order the N95 mask to replace the 100 million used in the Asian flu epidemic? Experts advised replacing them, but Obama-Biden team failed to buy them. Shortage starts with them. Explain it, Joe. Well, Joe won't have to explain it because the press isn't going to ask him about it, nor are they going to even point out. They're not even mentioning that in these stories that are now emerging yesterday and this morning about this horrible crisis. And Mr. Vice President, when you talk to God, do you ask him to forgive you for killing all of these Americans because of your inadequacies? That's where we are in this country. Yes, we have we have a medical crisis. There is no question about that. But I want to tell you the spiritual crisis is much greater than even the medical crisis. When this story first came out about Obama's negligence and Biden and Sebelius, the first thing they did was deny it. But even USA Today, their own, one of their own, USA Today finally had to come out on Friday and say, well, we fact-checked it. And this is what USA Today said about why there's no masks. They said there is no indication the Obama administration took significant steps to replenish the supply of the N95 masks in the strategic national stockpile after it was depleted, then repeated crisis. Calls for action came from experts at the time concerned for the country's ability to respond to future serious pandemics, such recommendations were, for whatever reason, not heeded. That's one of their own left newspapers. So where's my mask? <laughs> well, it's probably tucked away in Joe Biden's briefcase on his to-do list. That's why there are no masks. But as this... As this coronavirus be- continues to move forward, Fauci missed it. He said it wasn't anything we should worry about, and he has a brilliant mind. We don't know these things. Only God knows ultimately what's going to happen. But I want to tell you today, there's much more I want to say about this, and I will sort of pick it up here tomorrow. But I know one thing. God is getting the attention of his people. David Wilkerson became a good friend of mine. He was the founder of Teen Challenge. We met. It's a very interesting story in the way we became friends. But he said this in 1986. He was a God-fearing spiritual guy. I mean, he really was, really grounded in the Word and obviously well-known. But he told his church this in 1986. And he said similar words to me during that period of time. We had a fair amount of contact. He said, quote, I see a plague coming on the world and the bars, churches and government was shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles and repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. Mike Lindell, the pillow man, said yesterday in an interview, he said, Maybe some Christians don't recognize it, but we are in an awakening period. There is a great awakening taking place, and there is. And I'm going to continue with this tomorrow, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that great awakening 
and what's happening and what it means to you. Thank you so much for being with me today. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for your support. Boy, do we need it. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Again, thank you so much for being with me. We will continue tomorrow right here. I'll see you then.